Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Welcome to Scam Wow. I'm Caitlin Brodnick. I'm your host. I love scams and I love you. Welcome back to another amazing episode. You guys, I'm so excited for this episode. So today we have the incredible Taylor K. Phillips, who actually graduated from Harvard, is a comedian, is a writer, is an all around incredible girl. She has a great newsletter. I'm linking all of her information because you scamspondents will be completely obsessed with Taylor and you will want her back over and over again because she's brilliant. Um, but Taylor also worked as a tutor and helped for prep for kids applying to college for SAT prep, for ACT prep. And so today we're covering the Varsity Blues college scandal. Now, we've done it before. We've covered it wonderfully with Mackenzie Thomas and Sue Smith. But Taylor is taking us into a different realm as to what really is involved in looking when you are applying to college. I just wanted to give a quick recap on the Varsity Blues scandal in case anybody forgot, had something better to do with their lives and just didn't care. So back in 2019, a bunch of very high, high list celebrities and very wealthy people were all working with a man named William Rick Singer, who goes by Rick Singer, with this idea that he could guarantee that their children get into these highly ranking Ivy League schools. It was a criminal conspiracy to influence undergraduate admissions decisions. The code name was Operation Varsity Blues, which just sounds so stupid and I can't get it out of my head. At least 53 people were charged as part of this conspiracy. And it came out earlier in 2012, I think 2019, 2020, because Aunt Becky from Full House and Felicity Huffman were both key celebrities that immediately went to court, immediately pled guilty. I think her husband tried to plead non-guilty for a while, or, or maybe Aunt Becky tried to plead not guilty. And it got so much media attention. And then just this week, the cases for all of the other families involved are coming to trial now. They're pleading not guilty. They're saying that they didn't realize half of the things that Rick Singer promised or said he would do. Not only is it a full FBI investigation, but we're looking at indictments and complaints for felony conspiracy to commit mail fraud, bribery, money laundering. If they're found guilty, they can have up to 20 years in prison. Apparently, this case is the largest of its kind to be prosecuted by the United States Justice Department. There is a lot happening here, and it's a long, ongoing case, and each child has their own bizarre, twisted story that... Rick made sure to adjust and lie. And we're talking millions of dollars spent by these parents and spent by these families that not just for one child, for multiple children in their family, 
but this had also been going on for a while. He'd been doing it since 2011. Now, today's episode, we're talking to an expert about the entire process. And what blew me away was how little these parents who were getting involved really knew what it takes to even get into college. It's fascinating. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. I can't wait. I'm Caitlin Brodnick. And I'm Taylor K. Phillips. And, and we love we scams. Love scams. <laughs> <laughs> we love scams. We love you. Welcome, guys. Welcome to Scamwell. Welcome, Taylor K. Phillips. Thank you. We're so excited to have Taylor today. She's a really, really funny comedian. She writes ads. She's writing a book that we were just chatting about. Taylor, I'm so excited for your book. Can you tell us the name again? It will be called A Guide to Midwestern Conversation. Um, and it will be coming out in spring of 2023. We can talk about the scam of publishing later. Yes, the scams of writing books, the scams of like scamming everyone to say you're good enough to, it feels like a scam to say you're good enough <laughs> to does. write. And then and then you start writing, you're like, oh my gosh, I, what did I promise everyone? Right. I How did I, when I, when I was making it up and telling everybody that I could do it, it didn't feel like a scam. It was all bullshit, but it was fun and I cared about it. And now I have to write was, a book. Yeah. I know. I am both the scammer and the scammy. Yes. We did con ourselves. It's always like that with a diet like or a workout plan. I'm like, I'm going to do this workout plan. It's like low impact on the floor, mat. I can do it in the morning when my son's at school. And then I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to go eat Cheetos. What am I talking about? Right. Like, What was I saying? What words was I? What did I write in a journal? <laughs> this to-do list. Someone made this to-do list for me and they were evil some evil person made this to-do list for me what idiot made this to do after watching a bunch of you know what is it uh what are what were they that were so big those journals called bullet journals bullet journals yep yes bullet journals was like a pretty way to torment yourself like you had like a really pretty journal that you doodled on but it was very strict and intense (laughs) yes and it was like when maybe i could have been doing some of the things on my list if i wasn't you know Making writing May and calligraphy seventeen times, but I loved writing May and calligraphy. <laughs> Adding those flowers, I know. But honestly, I could spend years writing oh May and calligraphy because that's low stakes. stakes you know, oh, so there's some thickness here. Let me look up hand lettering on Pinterest for thirty seven minutes. Oh my gosh, let me pick some colors to add shading, and then it's like I was supposed to be writing a screenplay, <laughs> and I'm writing. Going to put the little arrow in the bullet, which means I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, is that what it was? I it was so funny. I could never get down. This is so how much I gave up on bullet journals. I liked watching videos of people doing and coloring their bullet journals. And then when it was time for me, I like would draw a square and they go, this is too much work. (laughs) And then just do something else. I never really actually finished my bullet journals. I truly just make the bullet journal circles next to my to do list on any other paper. Oh, that that feels fancy. That it, turns your to do list into a fancy to do list. It's just a big circle, and then I either cross <laughs> it out or I do the arrow. Most of the time, I do the arrow. That's great, which though. means I'm gonna do it tomorrow. That's great, but, but that means you got some symbols. Like I like that. I like that I, for you. It makes it feel. It makes it feel not like complete chaos. Yeah, a little less mostly May. is complete chaos. <laughs> yeah. A little less, a little more, a little less May. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, we're not it. just here to talk about bullet journals. We're talking about the Varsity Blues college college scandal. 
I am so excited. Now, we covered this with Mackenzie Thomas and Sue Smith, and we talked about it when it was breaking. We really talked a lot about the Aunt Becky of it all. (laughs) Like, that Aunt Becky really blew our minds, and then how could she do this? And it's a real silly, fun episode. We did a couple of them. But now there are updates on the college, on the scandal. People are going to trial. And Taylor, you have some incredible insight that I am thrilled to pick your brain about. Yeah. So I am... I have been a, a college, an SAT and ACT tutor, and one of those like college admissions consultant people Whoa. for like the past six years. Oh, I didn't realize and, you were also a consultant. That's huge. Yeah. So, and, but I'm not like, I'm not in like private practice or anything. It's a mm-hmm. tutoring job mm-hmm. that if you've gone to, I mean, it's, it's its own kind of scam, sure. right? Where, if if you've gone to one of those elite institutions and you have a certain score, parents will pay you mm-hmm. to to their kids. Now I went through this was one of my like it, and it's a really flexible day job. Oh yeah, for people in New York uh, or or in the arts or comedians wanna... writing books in Des Moines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and I don't do it as much anymore because mm-hmm. of things that we will get into. Yes. Um, oh, I can't wait. But. But I go through a I go through a company. It was like when I first moved to New York. It mm-hmm. was like this is how you do it: is you go and you tutor. Honestly, you just need a job, and tutoring is a great job. There's nothing. It's, it's, I have nothing against tutoring. And you know, these kids are these kids are not. I I, I really do love all my kids, mm-hmm. and the the pressure that they're under Oof. is is not the same as the pressure that I was under. And I mean, I guess we should get it out of the way earlier. Otherwise, it seems like I'm being evasive. I went to Harvard. <gasps> And I thought you did, Taylor, because I saw I'm like, I was Google stalking you and you're funny and brilliant. <laughs> and there's something about Harvard. And I was like, oh, my God, this girl, this girl <laughs> is so fancy and smart. I will get it out of the way that I got the worst SAT scores because I had undiagnosed dyslexia and anxiety during the SATs. And then I my admit. Oh, my God. The first time I took it, I got an 820 on the SATs. The second was a 980 and the third was a 10 something. And I still got into Syracuse University because there was an acting audition attached to it. And I crushed that acting audition because I there didn't check out. <laughs> but go. I failed that essay. I mean, the SATs, it was embarrassing because I didn't know what I was doing. No, And I and, took a prep it, class. I still didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, and also something that I, I watched the... Um, I watched the documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. last night. Great. Like as a refresher. Thank you. And I did not. <laughs> you're sorry. like, no, that's okay. <laughs> and something that in, in when you read a lot about this stuff, like I kind of want to talk about the scam within the scam, which is as you're reading all this stuff about varsity blues, there's some stuff that to me just feels not true. And one of them is like Rick Singer, like big major scammer, the guy who sure. did this whole thing mm-hmm. call, is calling the parents and saying, you know, Everybody is getting extra time. Like all of these rich parents are getting their kids extra time and everybody's gaming the system by getting, you know, like maybe extra time for disability fake disability or something. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I I didn't love that because a lot of people need extra time yeah. regardless of, you know, regardless of their status. And exactly like you said, right? Like not like oh, yeah. not knowing exactly what the tests are. You know, there's there's absolutely no reason why they need to be timed. In fact, with a lot of my students, I who actually have extra time, mm-hmm. sometimes I tell them, like, let's try it within regular time and then you're not going to second guess yourself as much yes. and you're not going to change all of your answers. And sometimes some of them work better within the time constraints. So it's not like 
that's kind of a made up sort of, I think, ableist thing to say, well, extra time is the real scam. Yeah. And I think it's very elitist. And I think it's like, I think it is like, you know, nobody wants to admit that now, but it was all based on a very like white man focused kind of way to like trim the fat and only get a certain type of person in a school. Like it, it is used as an entrance exam, but as an um, elimination exam as well. And I, a way to eliminate people and like to, and it's, it's just, it's a huge problem. I don't think it's, it's fair at all. And I also, what was so stupid, I don't know if you told your, you had this experience because when you, I feel like we're similar age, but like when we were taking the test, they said that, um, at the average Joe would do so well on it because he doesn't overthink it. It's just like the average Joe answer. So I would look at my test. I'm not kidding, Taylor, and go, I don't know what the right answer is, but what would Joe pick? And then I would, <laughs> and then I would create the character of Joe in my head oh, and say, so now funny. Joe isn't that bright. He's kind of like, I literally would psychoanalyze and become a caricature and go like, well, the archaeologist would definitely pick this one, but we're looking for Joe. Okay. And then I would circle it. And like that was like 10 minutes on a character in a one question. That's, but see that, and that's, that's Same. great. And that's, that's why you did the acting audition. That's yeah. why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it was so crazy. And it's, I, I, I remember leaving going like, guys, I didn't have enough time for every single character. <laughs> we just, we just don't have time to do the, we to do the personal don't have time. No. I, there's I too many to backstories. I, there's so many backstories. <laughs> or I would like read the reading part. I get hung up. And then I don't know if you had any of your kids doing this. Like I would start reading and then get nervous about reading. And did I read enough? And then just like not know what I read. Like just yeah, totally. I tell them not it. to read most of the time. <laughs> the thing about standardized tests that something that really blew my mind about really the whole like Varsity Blues documentary thing is like everyone t- – so. Standardized tests are received differently at different levels of institutions, and how you oh. do on them actually matters quite differently Oh, based on where you are. So, like, I'm from Missouri, mm-hmm. and if you get above a 30 on the ACT, I, I actually should go check this, but when I was a at kid- At that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that time, there was something called Bright Flight, which is, like, two grand a semester to any Missouri school, period. So, like, if you got above a 30, there was- Financial incentive. If you got above a thirty, there was a sliding scale Wait, based on your GPA. Two grand to the person or two grand to the school. To me, <gasps> so it's like I would get a two grand scholarship no to any in-state school. Oh, okay, wow. Now, it, it's kind of uh, like from my impression, it's it's a little bit skewed in the conversations about it because mm-hmm. if you go once you get to like the Ivies or the Georgetowns, mm-hmm. one to two points which can mean thousands of dollars for students at state schools or mm-hmm. at other schools or mm-hmm. at schools that give merit scholarships. Okay. Once you get to those other schools, it's really just a checkbox and they don't look any harder. Oh, because are they counting on just getting that cash? Yeah. They're not focusing on the merit scholarship. Yeah. Like, well, th- there are students who need those test scores for financial reasons, but the the test scores for those, like these Operation Varsity Blues schools mm-hmm. they're like actually quite I, I, like everybody was kind of quite misinformed i think about the realities of standardized oh. testing because yes i'm sure the people reading these applications are human beings and uh-huh. they're not actually sorting you just willy-nilly by your test score the okay. the like now they are setting expectations based on your uh based on your demographic 
So the same way that they're evaluating like how rigorous is your school experience based Mm -hmm. on how many available classes you have. I see. Yeah. Right. But it's like if my school has 10 AP classes and I take one versus a kid whose school has no AP classes, but they take the highest level honors. Right. Those Mm -hmm. are the things that matter. And this is all sort of like this is all sort of like to say. But there are parents who are like, my kid got this score and I want them to get two points more. So I'm going to put in all of this energy and all of this effort into basically, I mean, basically focusing all of their energy into this stupid test that they've done fine on right? instead of giving them any type of meaningful personality. And (laughs) like- You said it. You said it. (laughs) I, I I have to tell parents so much. I'm like, I wouldn't, if they want to retake the test again, that's fine. But you should, they should- put this into something that they care about because and i bet you the parents are like thank you so much dear but we're going to retake the test again like there's there's something about like the bottom line when it comes to these these situations parents that are this invested i mean i don't know how i'm going to feel when lewis is in my son is in like high school and college i'm probably going to be just as anxious but there's something i feel that as a parent too if somebody says like these numbers are going to make you feel safe and like a good parent and like your kids doing well yes those are what the parents kind of hold on to really tight. And you're like a lovely Harvard graduate. And you're like, but also if they can appreciate poetry and parents are like, I don't know those numbers. Right. <laughs> that doesn't compute with me. So we're going to focus on the testing. It is. And it's like, it's like, well, but, that, but you don't have, you, you can't say anything about that because, mm. you know, your score was good. And yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I guarantee you that's not why I got it. Like, Right. I can tell you because because that test is incredibly rudimentary. All mm. things considered, when you get into <laughs> not for this idiot, Caitlin. I know you're when you're good at taking the test. Well, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. If, no, but it's like if you're trying to do one of those things, right? It's like if you're mm-hmm. trying to do English, or if you're trying to do because it's not a test of any of those things either. Which is yeah, it's, it's just a mishmash. It's yeah, it's just a test of like your ability to take a test. Um, so, but. But then there's this other thing, which is the athletics, which is exactly what you're saying, which is like, if the test doesn't work out for you, you provide a value to the school through another way, which yours mm-hmm. was was performing. And clearly, mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. And for these kids mm-hmm. in Operation Varsity Blues, they made it up with athletics, which is mm-hmm. the weirdest thing in the world <laughs> to me. Yeah, because you can actually test that. They can't test theater. I'll tell you. Somebody could say I made him cry. No one else will know. Okay. Somebody could have been like, that girl was great. He could have been a chauvinist. Who knows? But you can literally see if someone can't run. It's well, it's (laughs) or hit a rack tennis ball or something. And it's this, it's this weird thing where they and it also, I think, contributes to this weird misconception of athletes as somehow dumber or like the idea oh, of like that's being yeah. good at sports and like being disciplined in that way as being somehow less valuable, for instance, than acting, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like you didn't go into school saying like, I got in on act. I mean, obviously you have your own stuff, but it's like nobody was like, oh, mm-hmm. she got into the acting program. She's dumb and wouldn't doesn't deserve to be here otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. attitude towards athletes is that. 
And it is true. And I do think that parents go like, well, they'll give us a pass if my kid hasn't doesn't know anything because they're such a good athlete. And it's you're right. It is that like stereotype that athletes can be dumb. They and they do like they do perpetuate that stereotype. They do let kids get away with like, you know, college basketball championships, not going to class and doing I think they're getting a little bit harder now because things are getting more public. But my God, when I was in school, because Syracuse won, not to age myself, the NCAA. And I remember... Yeah, I know. They beat KU. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's the worst day of my life. I'm so sorry. I don't remember much. I did remember I peed myself because I was laughing so hard and very drunk. So that's like, you know, that was my experience. Great, amazing. Like, we both lost. <laughs> we both really lost a lot. And I just like ran around with wet pants because um, I was so drunk. Um, it was a dead, a tough day. So... I, I do remember those guys, though, were just like sitting there. It was at some event, like some walk. And the guy just looked as dumb as hell. And he was just thriving, like not. And it was known that like they don't have to go to class. They're fine. They just won us a huge award. Well, you know, and but the other thing about about sports, though, is that the NCAA, I could go. I mean, they just sort of adjusted it in the Supreme Court. I could go rounds and rounds and rounds about this. But the NCAA, that's a, I mean, we're doing all sorts of school scams today. But yes, I love there that. was a time at which the demographic least likely to graduate from college was a black male NCAA athlete. And oh, the God. reason for that is that the NCAA puts in all of these kind of official rules uh-huh. that aren't real and that schools like so for instance you're only allowed to practice a certain amount of time a week in official practice but the coaches can say um yeah we're having unofficial open gyms for another 20 hours a week and those are like they're optional they're not optional they're not optional and when they say 20 hours a week be spent on sports that doesn't include travel time oh and i mean bus i mean plane i mean getting to and from the gym like hours and and days. so yeah and so they're they can't do school mm-hmm. like it's impossible for them to do school mm-hmm. and yes and then of course obviously then they don't have to do class and you know they're and it gives like, them this, like false comfort too like not only can they not do it but their teachers are like eh, don't worry about it or the attitude is don't worry about it but then these kids are it's it's so heartbreaking because then they they're left and they're like i guess i'm done Yep, and, and two percent of them will be professional. T- like two percent, it's something I have to. I have to uh, d- don't really uh, look it up. But it's no, it's okay. We're gonna Google. <laughs> it, and it's and it's terrible. And then I mean, then the other the thing on top of that is the college is making so much money off of them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them. You're so right. Being yeah. you know, black men who yes. see not a dime unless they go professional. Um, right. And so it is, they are putting everything, of course, I would put everything in it. I, I did everything at UCB. I put everything for free, yeah. <laughs> hoping that like one day it would work out. But he, and here's the crazy thing. And then we can go, or the, the bananas thing. Girl, keep going. I'm and in then, loving this. And then we can Don't go Don't ever. <laughs> no, keep going. This is the best. They weren't allowed. I think they are now. But for instance, you could say, right, like, Caitlin trained at UCB and mm-hmm. now she's written this book. And so she's a UCB mm-hmm. trained um, mm-hmm. comedian and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The NCAA has fined people for saying like, we were on the swim team together in college and then we founded this bakery. The NCAA- oh, they're not allowed- No, 
at, at the time, the, the Supreme Court just ruled basically that they get name, image, and likeness rights to their own selves, which yeah. we'll see how this manifests. I'd love that for a yeah, human being. Exactly. <laughs> well, and the, the argument that was being made basically by legal scholars was like, well, are they a student or do they work a job? Because students can transfer between schools as much as they want. But at a job, you have to sign a non-compete and you can't transfer teams Without a severe penalty, right? Now. It's. I mean, it's. Who cares? Bonkers. All this stuff what is a, like, bonkers. Weird side note. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Let the kids say he went to this school. Like, who cares? Right. It's so. Ugh. It's so wild. So then, with Varsity Blues, these elite schools have these very, like, just the whitest of the white sports. These, oh yeah. The sailing, this crew, this other stuff, which is, it was kind of funny watching the documentary because everybody's sort of behaving. Like the the popular thing to say, right, is you know the the sort of tug at your heartstrings is is <laughs> they take the sport seriously and you're like you guys suck right exactly <laughs> well that and, and it's like these people that cheated their way onto the crew team they took a yeah. spot from a deserving underprivileged another rich or whatever white and kid. it's like and it's like exactly they probably took it from another rich white kid because from the demographic mm-hmm. data of the school if they brought in a rich white kid to the sailing team. That that like that spot wasn't going to go to a a different demographic. Yeah, a different all. demographic. Which, by the way, uh, immigrants have to pay full price for like all school, and they don't get financial aid. And we can talk about that later. <gasps> there's no, there's no financial, no, like, no, not if you're an international student. Like at, at a lot of schools now, it's getting yes. a little bit better. But I have an in, I have an international student scam really that I was going to talk about after this because it it came up. After Varsity Blues. So while all this stuff is happening, yeah, yeah. like, oh, everyone's going to double check. I've also found out that like Varsity Blues hasn't made huge changes. Nope. If you, I, there's like a, a report that just came out with Time Magazine. Like they haven't done that much to protect anybody else from this. No. And, and the other thing that was so – that was quite weird to me, particularly with – and I know you talked about this a little bit, but particularly with the Olivia Jade thing. And I have to say, if anybody watches the Netflix documentary – I think that the juxtaposing a child saying, I know the other people who got in were really deserving, and then cutting to an Olivia Jade makeup tutorial as if to say the opposite of academic success is female cosmetics is really gross and misogynistic. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they also, she was who everyone talked about. Yeah. They were like, look at this pretty girl trying to be smart. I mean, it was like a complete stereotype they just jumped into. Well, also, like, I don't think, to be honest, of all the kids that I'm hearing about... I don't think she needed to be on the crew team. Like, she's an influencer with X amount of followers. Schools aren't dumb. That's a branding opportunity. Like, I agree. She didn't need any of that. She didn't. And, like, I mean, maybe she didn't want to go to school or whatever. But but they're giving, like, honorary degrees to celebrities now. Like, you speak at someone's graduation and they're like, I have a degree to this place. And it's so obnoxious. Well, and it's, like, the weird thing that we – like, the – Things that we have to hold in our brain at the same time mm-hmm. where it's like we don't want to believe them, but then if we want to be mad about something, we have to kind of believe this thing and then we – then or we have to believe the other thing is like – Yeah. In order to be really super mad about this, we have to believe that these particular set of schools are somehow superior and will somehow offer a superior education. Yeah. When that's actually not super Mm-mm. true. Like – It's not. Because the – because the rankings are literally absolute nonsense and like mm-hmm. they they don't actually mean anything they're evaluated by their competitiveness and like 
the like the rankings are super dumb and some of my job is actually trying to tell parents like i think your kid would be a better fit at this school that you've maybe never heard of mm-hmm. but i have a lot of wonderful very smart friends of mine that mm. you know like pomona What's one of in california schools? i if if i have a student that i particularly like mm-hmm. i'm like have you looked at pomona well, i don't know anything about pomona Pom- pomona tell me <laughs> Panoma, Pamanoma, it's a very difficult. It's just like a small school in California. It's it's not easy to get into. Like these are you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still like great North schools, schools right. kids, but it's like it's like very small and they're very you know it's all undergrads. So you know they're interested oh, in learning. Nice. Kenyon in Ohio is another one where it's like it's just a college and wow. people like people really like it. Davidson is another great one. Like. It's you want a place that also takes care of your child. Like yes. I'm in this, the smallest level of this of being in like three k with my son. But we found out that our school that we lucked in to get in, like we had to apply. It was all like who knows what. They are the school that everybody's pulling their kids out of other schools and coming into our school because the the teachers are very invested in the kids and the owner cares about the kids and they actually had a zoom meeting with us to talk about my son's plan at three a's three and i'm like oh this is the education i want for him no matter what like you know free or not i mean luckily this is public for us but i was like i want someone who cares as much about him as we care about him right and I feel like you can get that with these smaller schools. A hundred percent. And and again, like I, I grew up in Missouri and this is just, even though I, I teach in like sort of the New York area, mm-hmm. like it's just such a different environment than the one that I grew up in. And I just mm-hmm. did like I, all of my pressure was tension. self-imposed. The, yeah. Yes. The tension around kids, the tension that their parents bring on to them. Like I just see, you just see it walking around New York. It's not trying to learn or get better. It's that this expectation of speeding up to be an adult as fast as possible yes and it sucks and the idea of the saddest i think the saddest thing because most of my job doing college applications that i really really like is telling kiddos like yeah you can say that is that something that you believe mm-hmm. then you can write it down like oh i love it and the the saddest the saddest thing that ever happened i think like to just like insulate mm-hmm. this process is there was like a mm-hmm. quick you know they had the supplement if you could go on vacation anywhere right now, where would you go? And I had a student who said, well, my answer would be Greece, but I can't say that, right? Mm. Why? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. And, you know, she was just like, well, I can't, I can't say that I'd like just want to go to Greece because it's a beach and it's pretty. And I was like, yes, mm. you can. You can say any, like, you can be a person. But they're aware of those stereotypes too. Yes. That's the thing. They see the news. They see that Elizabeth Jade, whatever her name is, is like mocked. Like they see that if you add to that persona, she's like, they won't pick me. Right. I have to be something that looks like this boring straight white man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really. It's like, well, well, you know, did I did I start a company or did I do all yes. this stuff? And it's like, did you did you enjoy yourself? Can you, you know, I mean, that's shocking to even me. I would not expect a college applicant to be like, wow, this person's really happy. I want to have them at our school because I'd be like, oh, no, it's all about. Also, as a person, you hear it's all about the numbers. It's all about the ranking. It's all about the SAT scores. It's not about that 
at all. I feel like people just think, well, if it's really hard and it feels like I'm going to die, then Oof. that's probably what it is for me. Like, it should be so hard and I should feel just lucky every moment. It's like, actually, no, you know, like, I mean, but when you're 17 or 18, right, you've never like fallen in, like fallen in love necessarily so or had a really hard. healthy relationship. So hard. Yeah. But it's like, oh, when something feels right, it just feels right. And it's actually not that hard. Um, yeah, things don't have to be. I think that's a thing too with kids too. From their perspective, it's like everyone tells you school's so hard. You really got to study. You got to get so every all these adults and older people are telling you this is going to be hard. You have to work hard. So then, even if these kids are brilliant and it's coming naturally, they're like, "Well, I guess I have to work harder because I don't deserve to have it come easy to me." Because no yes. one has explained that a school wants me for my personality, for my artistic skills for my talents. They just want me for these numbers. And that I have a feeling that most kids applying to college right now and their parents aren't looking at that whole picture at all. I don't, because as you're saying, like what, to take it back to the scam, like this Rick guy was like feeding this to the parents as well, which is like the entire community is this fear-based setup yes. of like if your kid doesn't get in in this specific way they're going to like perish <laughs> yeah and he i mean he was telling them also it's like your kid has no chance you know oh, like he was so like manipulative. they would never they would never get in a, of their own of their own accord Delish- yeah. these parents trying to you know sort of protect their kids from the reality of of stuff and and I, well, I was going to say, like, one of these dads was a, I was reading, he, John Wilson, a private equity investigator, yes. um, said that he paid Singer um, to bribe the USC water polo coach and donate his son as a recruit and then funneled more than $1 million to Singer in attempt to secure spots for his twin daughters at athletes at Harvard and Stanford. Now, he's living in an industry where money talks. And then the other person was a casino executive like these people aren't necessarily in honest jobs no. so when singers he's kind of speaking their language well, also, he's like, like they think they're getting a deal right like yeah, they think yeah. that it just it truly doesn't and their kids i don't even think they really care about Mm-mm. you know their kids feeling like they earned something because i think they feel like they earned it where it's like okay it could cost like i have 50 million i could pay I Stanford 50 million up front, but I'm smarter than Stanford. Yes. I'm smarter than the system. So what I'm going to yes. do is I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And it's not, it's not fraud. It's just playing the game. And, and it's weird because, and that's and it is fraud. I should say, it is very it, definitely yeah, fraud. It, <laughs> that was me being, that was me doing character work, similar to Caitlin. That was me being, honestly, Taylor, that was amazing. So it, it is that is but what you're explaining is what Rick said to them. Rick is explaining to them that everyone's doing this, they're all playing the game. Yeah. Like that it is a game of chess. And so what's actually happening though is that when you get caught up, I feel like also these parents are sort of their eyes are open. They're like, oh, not everyone's doing this. Like I also think he must yes. have spin this idea. Their communities must have been like, this is the way, guys. This is the yes. only way. Because it is kind of fraudulent, like Getting back to me in my school. Yes. <laughs> back to my life. But getting my kid into 3K. I can't imagine. Which is, it was so stressful. But the people that are already automatically in the programs were people that went there already as private students in their two-year-old program. So if to apply for their three-year-old program, instead of having the open slots to anybody who wanted to apply, there was actually like 
out of the 15 slots, let's say there was 10 already filled from current students in their two-year-old program. So they just go up. Now, the people in their two-year-old program were paying for private daycare. So they're paying thousands a month, a couple, um, the minimum I think was like five or 600 a month, but then the max could be up to like 1,700. And so they are automatically in the new free pre-K program, whereas like they have a guaranteed spot. So you have parents that are sort of used to gaming the system and getting guaranteed spots by paying since pre-K. Right, right. <laughs> this isn't new to any of them, too. This is also how a lot of things have been happening. And, and what's so weird about the education thing versus a lot of other stuff is it's like, well, I guess, but the money's going to a school. You're right. Like, the money's going to it, a school. It is, well, one of the guys was just going to a new boat. And well, you know that's, what? We don't need That's that. the other thing. <laughs> and so, like, so, so some of the, it's the money that was lining the pockets of, like, the coaches or whatever that mm-hmm. was, like, the, like, the rest of this is wretched. But when we talk about, oh, well, people can buy their kids a spot at a school, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's not, that's not amazing. But mm-hmm. the way that I kind of look at that to an extent, and I don't necessarily know that I agree with it, but I feel like mm-hmm. I need to hold the reality in my head is, yeah, $50 million, you could pay for a bunch of kids to go to school for free. And in exchange, there's, you know, there's one kid who's who's at the school. And if you think oh, about I the see. school building an ecosystem, like, there's a part of me that's like, ah, well, you know, I don't take their money. Yeah. I don't love it. But then, of course, then it's like, OK, take this to its logical conclusion is like people as dumb as Jared Kushner get to walk around saying that, like, mm-hmm. I went to Harvard and that means X, Y, Z about, you know, my intelligence because yeah, we yeah. you use, I mean, as yeah, yeah, as a bargaining tool, really, right. and as like a credit and as a chip. And no, I think you're right. I, I love that perspective, though, that, OK, so you got these millions of dollars and it means that they can put that through to scholarship. That would be a dream. Right. So it's like, get this one idiot in. Right. No offense. But they don't. They put it in their endowment. Like, I, you know what I mean? They, like, you, don't. they don't. And there was actually, <laughs> they don't. And there was an article about one of the coaches who's like, my life is ruined because I handed, he handed a check from the Rick to the other coach or something. Like, he was a, a part of the transition. He knew what he was doing. And he goes, and my life's ruined because I didn't get away with any of that money. Basically, he's well, upset because he didn't get paid. The, the, and I was like, yeah, you're doing fraud. Yeah. It, well, and the there's the, he's quite sympathetic in the documentary. There's a sailing coach who, like, again, it, like I read him, and especially Maybe that's the guy I'm talking. It was at yeah. the Stanford coach. Yeah, I think it's this guy because he was one of the only John ones. John Van. Yes, it's this guy. It's this guy. I don't feel bad for him at all. I so I I like I think it just like this they they worked they it. when it's like they put him in the documentary. He agreed to do the documentary, and. His argument basically is like, I went to the athletic director and I was like, oh, yeah, I got this donation from this Rick guy. And with this, with uh, the sailing coach at Stanford, none of the money did he pocket. I know. And the rest of the coaches did pocket money. Right. But but that's what sounds kind of funny now because he's like, why am I in trouble? And it's like, but you still did a fraudulent thing. Like, even if you didn't pocket your money, I mean, he's still still handing yeah. Fraudulent money. Well, and but Stanford, the the thing that's shitty about that, I think, is that Stanford is a plaintiff was a plaintiff in his case. And Stanford Why? ended up with seven hundred and seventy thousand more dollars. And his lawyer was like on the documentary being like, I have never seen a case where the victim of a fraud case ended up richer. So yeah. again, I'm not super sympathetic to him, 
The no. other thing that's so funny. That's so, funny. so the scam gets found out because literally the FBI caught some other guy and the oh. other guy was like, I've got info for you. The soccer coach at Yale is taking bribes. And they went to the soccer coach at Yale and they're like, yep, I've got the name of the guy. Like, can we work something out? And they gave him Singer. So everyone's benefiting. Yes. Oh, 100%. So then they went to Singer and they were like, the FBI was like, we found you out. And Singer's like, fine, I'll turn on all of my clients. I can implicate all of them. <laughs> and he goes, great. And he does fucking phone calls. Yes, I remember. Like, Felicity Huffman's was recorded. Yes. Yeah. But he calls all of them on a tapped line for them to rat themselves out. And he, like, basically it would be like, Hey, Caitlin, so my firm's getting audited, and I just want us to, um, because you paid me money to my foundation to cheat on the SAT for your kids, right? And oh, okay. the per- the person was like, uh, yeah, but we're not going to say that, right? And then that, that's, that's it. That's it. And then that's it. They said yeah, on the phone. That's it. And one of the lawyers in the documentary was like, this only worked because these are white-collar criminals. If this had been actual organized crime, the mob would have murdered him in 30 seconds. Like, they would have oh. known that he was ratting them out and he had turned in, like, 30 seconds. He's not a good actor, okay? He didn't get into any college. But, no, because Rick <laughs> is saying it in a really basic way, right? But also, not only white-collar criminals, these parents are so uninvolved. Yes, and so paranoid about image that I feel like they're saying yes to these questions while they're like pumping gas or something. Like, right. I don't think that these are weirdly stupid parents in the sense of that there's they're ignorant against what crime is. And if you're involved in crime and if you're creating fraud, like you better be on top of your shit. And none of them were. Yeah. They were just like, can you help me get my kid into school? That's it. Right. Whatever it takes. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Rick would say to these people, you have to have certain things for your college education. Yes. Uh, You know, for your applications. What were things that you looked at when when you were reading college applications? And what what was the thing that would ever stick out to you? Like, did you even look at sports? Like, what were things that you looked at? Yeah. So I never, like, I was never in the admissions office. I okay. just, I like helped kiddos with with their admissions. But what I what I told my what I told my students and like what I heard when I worked because I I gave like tours for the admissions office at Harvard, which mm-hmm. is a whole other yeah cl- like cl- class of parents. Um, <gasps> yes, but. The the big thing that all of all of the admissions offices at all of the schools are is they're asking two questions, you know, c- can this student, you know, is this student is student you'd want to have on your campus, mm-hmm. and is this student going to make the most of the resources that are available here? So mm-hmm. the the two things that they're really thinking in their head is this person is going to go out into the world saying they went to this school, but while they're here they're going to have a roommate. Those are like the two sort of vibe questions. So one is, are you going to be able to take, like, make the most of available resources, which is, you know, if if someone started a club at their school or, you know, or if they're really interested, this is the other thing is like, if they're really interested in a thing like music and the school has a great music Mm -hmm. department, that's a better fit than they're really interested in, you know, golf, golf, and we don't have a golf team. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there, it's it's a fit thing, um, uh-huh. and then the other thing is like, does this person have? I think a level of self awareness and humanity, and mm. the, are they going to be like a garbage person? Yeah, or are they a good person? Right, or or you know, are they you know are they aware? And I think that this you know that kind of attitude does I think have um, just sort of disadvantage sometimes the. Like children of immigrants, particularly kiddos of Asian descent, because okay, like when we're, when they're talking about now, I don't agree with the whole like affirmative action suit against Harvard, but I do think that when we're saying oh human qualities, and we know that our intrinsic bias is that you know Asian students are more robotic and less human than other people, it's like that's an implicit or bias thing that's been tested, a total bias that Cor- they don't communicate the way that a white man communicates, so there's something wrong with it, right? Right. Exactly. And so that's something that I think admissions officers need to need to be aware of and the idea. Of, but but that's just in reading the application. That's in saying, you know, we want human components. You're allowed to want those things. You just need to know. It's like, hey, if I'm looking at the profile of the student, am I you know, bringing in biases or whatever? So 
the the big thing that I work on with kiddos is the essays. And Mm -hmm. everybody says, you know, the essay can really make or break you. And I have to be honest with you. Tell me. That's not true. It's just that's the only thing you can control in your senior year right before you're about to apply. Right? Okay. Because you mean control like that the kid can control or that you mentally can control? Like it's well both. Yeah. So it's not okay. It's October, right? It's October right now. Early action applications are due November 1st of this okay. year. Mm-hmm. If you're applying to school, everything on your application is done and unchangeable with the exception of the essay right now. Oh. So the mentality of the essay is really how the pressure. you introduce them to you and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not untrue. Like, obviously, don't write a garbage mm-hmm. essay and, right. you know, whatever. But they they're again they're humans if you like won a bunch of math competitions but your essay isn't perfect that's fine now if you say i'm coming to the school because of their theater department because i want to be a playwright they're gonna hold your essay to a little bit of higher standard mm-hmm. but the like big the, the, the essay is the, probably the only thing you have control over yes so also it must make them feel that it's the, they have to be perfect at it as well right like, this is all perfectionism exactly and going insane yeah and it's just it's also not true the other thing that is like it's just, like just write a like write a cool essay. The other thing is like a lot of schools don't ever have kids write personal essays until college, which is goofballs to me. But the other yeah. thing is, it's this I've like, read a ton of essays. Yeah, I like. Yeah, but the it's the idea that schools kind of want manufactured trauma or adversity is a big <sighs> is a big miss um, and myth yeah. that a lot of people say, and so. You know, people are like, oh, well, the hardest thing that I ever had to do oh. was um, one time I, you know, I couldn't find my shoes and I was really stressed. And it's like, if you've had a pretty good life, <laughs> that's okay. okay. And I yeah. do have kids who are like, I don't know, stuff hasn't really been super hard for me. So I, I don't really have an essay to write about. It's like, what do you think is fun? What are you interested in? You know, like Give your personality. I, I That's true. I mean, it's also like that's society. Like if you have some sort of trauma, that's a value yes. on Instagram likes. That's a trending thing on TikTok. That's a newspaper article that you're mentioned in. Like people are given attention and recognition for all kinds of trauma. Yeah. And so I'm sure that these kids at 17 getting these images are like, okay, well, I, I haven't saved anyone from a burning building, but I just really love cats. Right. <laughs> and I created a cat sanctuary in my house. You know, like, I don't know. It's yeah, creepy, exactly. It's sure. Like but it's real. The best, the best, the best college essay I've ever read was a kid in my high school graduating class who wrote about why he wore polo shirts every day. But the, really? the best one I've ever had a student write was I had a student write about how much she liked her bathroom. She was like, I just love my bathroom. And she just wrote an essay about it. And it was great. And That's amazing. It was so fun. But I can tell you when we're talking about manufactured trauma, I can now tell you the story of the family that thought that I was going to write the essay for them. Oh, wait. But also, what school did that girl get in that loved her bathroom? Um, Either, I think both Penn and Johns Hopkins. And then she, <laughs> and then she picked. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. sorry. No, she was great. She got her first, her first know, like, choice. You're amazing. Yeah, yeah it was so. I love her. And she was like so. And again, when I say she was so well adjusted as a as a compliment, I don't want any any high school juniors out there listening to this podcast. 
podcast. Yeah, all my high school junior fans. Just because you don't feel well adjusted as a junior, like just because you're not cool and chill and because this gives you anxiety. Well adjusted means different things. That doesn't mean that you're, I was like you. I was not like this girl who wanted to write about her bathroom. I was like you. No, no, no. Um, Yeah. I mean, like there's a thing is you have so many things flowing through your mind. And I feel that. Yeah, I feel that like the essay is a chance for you to say like, "Hi, this is who I am yes. as a person." You are allowed. You are it. allowed to care about what you care about, and yeah. unfortunately, in this day and age, that's actually going to stand out more than some crazy story. That's exciting. I know that's it's really great. It's hear. really cool. It's my favorite part of my job is being like, that's "Yes, amazing. you can write about that." Is when yeah. kids are like, "You can enjoy yourself." Oh, really? My my answer to this question is this, but I can't. I'm like, "You can," and then they light up, yeah. and it's like, "Oh my gosh!" Please do, and think of how fun the admissions counselor is going to yes. or person is going to be reading it, going like, "Wow, I love Bermuda too." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Bermudas and bathrooms. These kids are amazing. Can we talk about the photoshopping? The photoshopping is bonkers. Yeah. For anybody listening who doesn't know it, they um in this call admissions scandal where they doctored tests, they also took photos of these kids and photoshopped them on photos of people like playing like water polo and stuff. And it's so funny because like a photo of somebody playing water polo, I don't think is like part of the application. No, process. it doesn't it doesn't need anything. The other thing is that that a lot of the athletes that they recruited like absolutely didn't pass the smell test. Like there was a basketball yeah. player recruited to the University of Southern California who was five foot five. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. unless he's like a savant basketball player and is like the famous guy from the eighties. I don't know. I, he was five nine. Boxy <laughs> Bogues was yeah, five I don't know nine. Anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's... <laughs> so where they are right now is that they're in to bring people up to date, they are in trial. They they went and they really pushed Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman super fast. Well, because a lot and, of them pled guilty. Yes. And they got some sort of plea deal. And I think a lot of them pled guilty too because they wanted they wanted their kids to get out of it. Yeah. And they wanted sort of like the media content to go. But um, I'll tell you for the Boston Blues, a bunch of parents pleaded not guilty. As you were saying that like Rick explained to them yeah. that this is what you had to do. This is how you had to do it. The other thing that I read recently this morning is that mm-hmm. there's – some of them are, are making – and it's it's gone up a couple courts, but some of them are kind of making the argument that the charges shouldn't count because you can't claim that an admission spot is property. So like part of I don't even know what that means. What like wire fraud, <laughs> like one of the requirements mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for for wire fraud or some of these frauds is that you are depriving someone else of property. Okay. And or like in order to defraud someone out of whatever, and people are saying you can't call an admission slot property mm-hmm. but then there's like oh but there's a thing called honest services like there's a some of them are trying to do legal things where it's like mm, it actually doesn't count as bribery or racketeering no and also like i think it's it just keeps going like these parents really think they can get around the system because other parents already confess they already like blew it all up like you already had people say yes i'm guilty and take a plea deal and give so much information for these p- parents still holding out it's like everyone did the same thing you're not special yeah. you, you know you you didn't suddenly not have so is rick out of jail he's never he been in jail oh okay. because well, because he and I wonder if this I wonder if this is nefarious, but because he is he's pled guilty, yeah, but he's helping with the rest of the cases, 
Why? So until for he's on the FBI side to get his, yeah to get his sentence you can't mitigated. Trust that shit. He I can't was trust him. He he turned immediately. They came, like they like came to him and were like, hey, uh, we know what you've been we're doing. Wondering if and he's like everyone's guilty. Yeah, exactly. He's like I can give you everyone. Put a wire on me. Do whatever. In the in the documentary, if anybody wants to watch it on Netflix, it is a treat because they have Matthew Modine, the actor, playing Rick. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> because they have all of the like transcripts and wiretapping. Yes, Although, yes, yes. They never say exactly why he was wiretapped at first because there's there's the part where he was wiretapped after they found him. But yeah. they also seem to have conversations from before. Anyway, maybe he's holding his shit. Like maybe he's not, like I mean he's a full blown scammer. Like maybe he's also oh. holding it to use as bribery against people. Well, and he met this. He met this woman. There's a woman in the documentary talks, and she he she's like I started working at twelve at like a laundromat or something, and he started working at twelve. He would get people to buy booze for him, and then sell it back to other miners at a premium. Yeah, and like that's yeah. what he considers his first job. Job. Yeah. Also the rest of this time article they asked if the schools had made any changes. And it's interesting they it says in the time article I'll quote it, it says even if colleges do adopt better vetting procedures to verify student athletes the system is still stacked in the favor of the wealthy because the admission when people are applying you have kids and it says um, quote, you, you've got a nutritionist, you've got a strength coach, you might have a mobility coach. So these kids are getting these other private services on top of that. So higher income parents can better afford to send their children to certain events that, you know, they can get a decent night's sleep, like they have better what, traveling for sports. So so there's a thing that no matter what, if even if they vet the admissions as well, there's always going to be this imbalance with like wealthy parents overproducing opportunities for their kids well i mean and and i mean wealthy parents too and also you could i mean you could you could take it geographic if you wanted Mm -hmm. like what what kids in what part of the country are going to be able to sail or row i know you know or go skiing or go ski oh my god skiing but again it's like to to me i don't have a huge personally a huge issue with that because it's like I would like to go to college with somebody who skis. Like that's a different perspective that I don't have, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But it's but it's like but I it's, don't no, want. But that's going with someone who skis who did it honestly. You don't want to go with oh, like exactly. a dishonest. Oh exactly. Shit but, skier. Yeah. And, <laughs> only and honest skiers. Only honest skiers in this house. Just. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a very weird. Like I mean, the right. the sports at those schools, right. and when you don't have a right. Oh okay. Like you know you don't get money. At any at a lot of the more elite schools, you don't get scholarships or anything like that for the sports. So it you does. get the spot, but you still have to like pay and everything. I mean, the, it all advantages the wealthy. I read I read recently that fifty mm-hmm. percent of the black mm-hmm, students mm-hmm. in the Ivy League are from private high schools right the the article that i was reading is like a lot of those private schools aren't good environments for hell no um for black students and but that is like literally what you theoretically have to do in order to have more of i mean it's 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 just bananas it's just awful um i hate that (laughs) and i also have another awful scam tell me so this blew me away because it was after the varsity blues scam so these two con artists are like guys 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 (laughs) 
hold your horses. I've got an idea. So these two con artists who they basically sat out, they sought out international students and said they could guarantee them spots in schools. And they went by different aliases. Brian Chen um, also went by Easton uh, and then Easton Lee and Calvin Wong um, did a bunch of activities separately and then together. But right now they're charged with co-conspiracy, which carries a maximum sentence of only five years in federal prison. But they were charged with one account of aggravated identity theft. According to prosecutors, they're linked to a group of imposter test takers who were the subject of an earlier indictment that outlawed how they used fake Chinese passports to take certain exams on behalf of foreigners seeking college admissions for student visas. All six defendants in that earlier case pleaded guilty and were sentenced to probation. So they left that case and then they started this new one. So they are fraudulently obtaining transcripts from students from <sighs> Berkeley and another one from high schools in China. And they're it said they are utilized fraudulently created or fraudulently altered high school or college transcripts to reflect a passing grade point average and paid co-conspirators to write admission essays, letters of recommendation on the student's behalf, created application packages to schools on the foreign student's behalf and submit them to their schools of choice. Now, what my favorite part is in this article, and I'll link it in our notes, is the response from the schools. So the schools said... Uh, someone at Boston College said this sort of thing is widespread and stories of a similar kind pop up from time to time. <laughs> OK, it seems as though they caught these guys red handed. Didn't really. Uh, has the school changed? We, who can say? Who can say? Um, <sighs> another one was Boston College says it's received a subpoena from ICE over a year ago but has not made aware of any allegation of admissions fraud or notified in advance of the U.S. Attorney's Office of allegations of the incident. So. I think they're saying they received information of it, but they haven't done anything about it. And right. a spokesperson for NYU said, we're unaware of this investigation before Wednesday morning. We're, of course, prepared to assist and work with the authorities. But kind of, I don't know, Orange Coast College says it takes the integrity of our international students' admission standards very seriously. In a way, though, the students are the victim because they're being told yes. that these companies will guarantee them in and they're getting, they're spending tons of money for these two men who are doctoring all this stuff up and it doesn't seem it's weird everyone's saying like we get it everything's a scam but we're not going to do anything right now <laughs> I that's what I understand well it's also I mean you want to know what it is it's that that if people were scamming them out of scholarship spots it would be a whole different thing oh, but yeah. they're paying they're paying right yeah. and international students pay even more they'd like a lot in a lot of cases they're not eligible for financial aid like all of the stuff and so that also probably is why they're just kind of letting it go because they're like well they're paying the kids here they appear to be doing fine but it was all fraudulent getting in it's well i, I feel so weird about for there was when i was there when i was at harvard there was like we were on the ed like on the end point of this guy who had like scammed his way into Harvard and was found out like the week before graduation or something. Wow. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe give him the diploma if he did it all. Hey, right. He did graduate. <laughs> like, he did, I mean, he did. He did. Um, but the, that's just so, the, and I will say it's really unfortunate. I think I have 
a lot of my students who are whose parents are immigrants or who mm-hmm. you know, whose parents didn't grow up in the states mm-hmm. the like the pedigree of these schools but also then the adjustment to like a you know well-rounded yeah. quote-unquote application versus like in most countries even in europe it's like you take a test and that's how you get into schools yeah and here it's and i mean that's why they all think it's like the sat but that is that is wild and so and also you're these you're making these kids commit immigration fraud that's the other thing is i could talk yeah. about you're making these kids commit immigration fraud and that that's like it's one thing to have your reputation maybe you didn't get into college committing immigration fraud that'll ruin your life oh yeah and there's a ton of things where like they have passports and they have visas and all of this stuff is now i actually have and i'll put it in our notes i have the um the court document and they have all of this all of the the documents that are getting these people in trouble and i don't think the kids are getting in trouble but it's really screwing them up and also i have a feeling that these con artists um for this international case didn't say i think they'd say you can just pay us and we'll guarantee but i don't know if they knew exactly that their kids would be doing no work you know what i mean like i have a feeling that of course in in the varsity blues it was very clear that your kid wouldn't have to do any work they could be photoshopped on any sort of person animal (laughs) <laughs> you know, space well, object and there be in. But this right. seemed like it was helping the kids get in specifically. And I don't know if the parents knew that how fraudulent of course. it was. And also it's like it's a thing in another country in yes. in a language with, you know, that maybe you're not as, as super familiar with. And so if somebody tells you this is how things are done in the States. How do you know? Versus like versus this is how things are done for most people. But like here's how people like us as us rich people yeah yeah the other thing that i think that i i suppose that i would say is like as someone who had a perfectly lovely upbringing that in no way compares to number one these kids and number two a lot of Mm -hmm. my classmates at harvard i will say Mm -hmm. that the advantages that my attendance afforded to me in terms of connections and access is Mm -hmm. Number one, more than it would have been if I hadn't gone, but two, still not more than the people who were already there. Right. Like they do have advantages no matter right. what. And and I don't think and that they've already I had don't them. think that Harvard really did it. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're like if your dad's a movie producer and you want to make movies, you don't call them and say, My dad's a movie producer, I went to Harvard, can I make this movie? You just say the first right. part. If Right. Or my dad funds your entire company. Can I have some of that money? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and again, I don't think, you know, I, I'm not of the school that like rich people can't make good art. Like, I don't think that that's true. In fact, sure. I think that there's a, a di- like, but it's when they're doing it instead of other people. Mm-hmm. It feels like such a sense of entitlement mm-hmm. for these parents and these students because I don't actually believe that if if they don't have the interest or the effort to put forward to actually get the education mm-hmm. the degree in the school itself isn't going to do anything extra for them no they're already like not really right. using their education if they're not taking the test themselves they're not writing the essay themselves they're not using their current education so what would make you think being in harvard would suddenly make you right. use that education? And, and for better or worse i, I do think it gives advantages to kids who who haven't done it um, or who who don't mm-hmm. who don't have those advantages. But if you're looking mm-hmm. for a real education, like go anywhere. Look at all your stuff. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, the the haunting the haunting thing about it for me was was 
the parents talking about it like they weren't doing anything wrong. Like they like this was just the way that you game the system. Well, and I believe that it must be the way that they do a lot of things. Yeah. That they have been doing this sort of system and this attitude for a while. And so why yeah. not do it with college? Like why not do it with something incredibly important like a college education? I do it with my cars, my businesses. I'm, you know, having these sort of like tax scams, who knows what, and they're, you know, working in all kinds of places. So why not do this? It makes sense to them, but this is a fundamental part of growing as a human being and challenging yourself as an, a, you know, a child learning to educate yourself that they're just taking away from them. Yeah. Because you're not working with other business people. You're working with – it's your child who's going to then going to learn. You're not like trading racehorses. This is your kid. Right. And also like I also reject pretty wholeheartedly that this is giving your kid, quote unquote, the best shot. Yeah. You know, I think what what – if you're very wealthy and you live a life of prestige and your kids have a lot of opportunity, what is the thing that theoretically you've deprived them the most of? Earning stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Being around like, regular people who don't have yeah. that experience. Earning so, it. Yeah. So the best thing you can give them is make them play by the rules in certain cases, you know? Right. right. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Taylor, this is so fun. It Taylor, is fun. I could, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I could talk to you forever. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much, Taylor. As I said, an immediate fan favorite. If you guys had any of this experience in your college applications, if you got as bad as an SAT score as I did, but then somehow you acted your way into Syracuse University, you know, we want to hear about it. You can always call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call, 347-509-9414. You can email us at scamwowpodcast at gmail. Find us on Instagram at scamwowpodcast. Find us on Twitter. I'll never see you on Twitter. I'm barely on Twitter, but we're there. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review because we really need these five-star reviews. They're helping us so much. And hopefully they take like two seconds of your time just to say something nice because then maybe Apple can share our podcast with other people and we can just create more of this fabulous community, which is all I want to do. So guys, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Kate. Thank you all of More Banana. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.